Hello and welcome to Bootstrap, the podcast for software bootstrappers. If you are running a software company or looking to start one, then this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Steve McLeod. Today I'm joined again by Craig Hewitt. Craig is the co-host of the Rogue Startups podcast. He also runs a podcast hosting and analytics platform called Castos. Hi, Craig. Hey, Steve. How are you doing? Yeah, really good. Thanks. Yourself? Awesome. Yep. Uh, it's the uh, end of the week, so it's all good from here. And perhaps you've taken a little vacation? Yeah, we've been kind of on the go lately. was at MicroConf Europe last week and then just a few days down in the south of France. Uh, the kids are on holidays right now, so we got we to gotta do something to get them out of the house or, or everybody goes nuts. <laughs> Uh, you make it sound like a duty, but you know, people living in America are thinking, you just go to the south of France just to get the kids happy? What is this? <laughs> what, what life are you living? The European life. Yeah, I mean, it's not bad. It's like a three-hour car drive for us, so it's, it's we're pretty fortunate, yeah. Uh, and earlier this week, you were in Dubrovnik, Croatia at MicroConf. Yeah, yeah. It was the second time they've had MicroConf there, but I didn't go last year. So my, so my first time to Croatia and Dubrovnik, and it was really gorgeous. Uh, have you been? Oh yeah, a couple of times. It's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really pristine. Like the water just perfectly clear. And even now, like the end of October, really warm. Like surprisingly warm. So that Where was you nice. Swimming? Yeah, yeah. Every day. Yep. In late October. Well. Yeah. My girlfriend is from Italy, and she's from the part of Italy that's directly over from Croatia, on the other side of the Adriatic Sea. Okay. So this is something I also get to see from time to time on the other side of the sea, and yep. it's just it's something special. I think the Adriatic. Yeah, very surprised. The water is very salty there, so like you're just like totally buoyant, like floating in the water, and it's tough to to dive down to the bottom, like you know, in a lake or whatever. You just dive down to the bottom and hang out and come back up, but but here it's like quite a bit of effort just to go down a few feet. It was it was kind of surprising, yeah. And where you were, was it so clear that you could see right down two meters, three meters down? Yeah, totally, yep. Yeah, that's a real yep. characteristic of, of that part of the world. I love it. Yeah. Hey, I have a little story to share. A friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, Judy, who I've known forever, she wrote to me last week. She started with not hello or how are you going, Steve? She started with, you have a podcast with over 100 <laughs> episodes theme music and everything. So that, that was really nice that uh, a friend I didn't even tell about the podcast found me, but it made me realize just how magic something like this seems to somebody who has never made a podcast. It's actually not magic. Anybody who has a Mac and has QuickTime in their applications folder and you just have to open it up, click on the record button, talk for an hour or half an hour or 10 minutes, and then upload to a platform like yours. And that's it. You have a podcast. Yep. Do it a hundred yep. times and you have a hundred episodes. Yeah. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head. Like a lot of people make it really complicated and yeah, to squeeze every little bit of kind of use out of the podcast, maybe you need to, to optimize every part of it, but, but just to have a podcast that that's all you need and, and you can go from there. And that's what we kind of preach to a lot of folks is like, get started, get a base, get a bunch of episodes and then worry about like how good it is and how to make it better and stuff. Yeah. I think this is more than just podcasts too. I find people often completely puzzled about how I could possibly make a, a software application or a website 
to them, it's just something that big companies do or other people do and they're a little bit confused. And I think we often forget that what we're doing is more impressive than you think, especially mm -hmm. if you just spend your time hanging around similar people. You don't realize what, what it is that you're doing in the eyes of uh, the greater population. Yeah, absolutely. So, Craig, you do seem to be everywhere at the moment. I'm going to list places I've heard you or seen you recently. So you were speaking at MicroConf last week. You are featuring in the first season of Tiny Seed Tales, which we can discuss in a moment. You uh, made a guest appearance on Startups for the Rest of Us. You are, of course, on your own podcast, and you're joining me here. How the heck are you managing to fit all this in? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, that's a really fair point. Like, I wonder sometimes, I think this is all a really good use of my time. I think there's a point at which it might not be, and I don't think we're getting close to that, but podcasting is a really economical use of a founder's time, right? We show up and talk for 30 or 40 minutes, and there's a podcast episode that goes out to, you know, hundreds or thousands of people. And so I do this, you know, really once or twice a week, which is not that much time, really. And so I think folks who are looking at, like, how can they get their voice out more really should should think about it. You know, you show up on, on a podcast or start your own or swap with someone else in your space. And it's a great way to, to kind of share what you know and, and think and, and are up to with some other folks kind of in similar in similar worlds. So... I'm curious about this Tiny Seed Tales that I just mentioned. I happened to encounter the first episode just yesterday and I listened to it. It was, it was really interesting. Can you tell our listeners what this is and what your involvement is, especially any behind-the-scenes info you're allowed to reveal? Yeah. So Tiny Seed Tales is kind of a behind-the-scenes look at our journey of, of growing Castos as part of the Tiny Seed First cohort. And Rob Walling and I have been recording episodes basically every other week since we started in Tiny Seed, so about five months ago. And so we have seven or eight episodes recorded. We talk for 30 or 40 minutes, and then they edit it pretty heavily. So it's a really highly produced podcast, like a, an NPR or a Gimlet type show. And, you know, Rob, Rob is a really good interviewer and in that he tries to get the essence behind what's going on a lot. So, you know, the good and kind of like how we got to the good part and the definitely the bad and like how we got to the bad and how I feel about it and what I'm learning and how I'm managing all this stuff. So I, I think it's good, you know, like Dave and I talk about on Rogue Startups a lot, like we have a responsibility kind of, and I think all podcasters that talk about entrepreneurship have this responsibility to talk about the good and the bad. But if you just leave it up to us, like Steve, you and I probably won't ever talk about the bad too much, right? Because <laughs> it's like, it's not fun, you know? And it's not interesting in a way. It is interesting in a way, but it's also kind of not interesting in a way. But I think if you have somebody like Rob who has totally been there before and can relate to what you're going through and can help you express how you're feeling and dealing with these things, then it can be you know, pretty good content for folks to listen to. And so we're going to record probably another couple of episodes. So you and I are talking now at the end of October. I think Rob and I will probably do a couple more episodes because we have some really interesting stuff that we're looking at doing with Castos here up through the end of the year. So we'll probably try to capture all that. And then the, the, the goal really is to have like a story arc that runs through like joining Tiny Seed, hiring a marketing person, scaling, changing kind of our pricing and sign-up model, and then some other stuff that we're getting into that'll span the next couple of months that we want to share. Thanks. I'm looking forward to the future episodes, which are mostly already, have already been created, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Are they going to come out once a week or once a fortnight? 
I don't know, to be honest. I think it's every week, yeah. Okay, so mostly your involvement is just turning up to be interviewed and then Rob takes care of everything else? Yeah, it's great, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Listeners, if you want to hear a podcast like the one you're listening to now but done on a completely higher level, you should do this. It's really taking NPR or Gimlet-style production values. Like Craig said, it's heavily edited so that it makes a really nice story. And the one I've listened to so far was only 20 minutes, so it's not going to take up too much of your time. I'm really interested to see how they go and whether Rob continues them over the, the next years. I think he will. Yeah. I think he's working with another group in our batch now to kind of continue their story. And then I'm sure as they get into the second cohort, which will start around MicroConf in April of next year, that that he'll do at least one of those as well. Yeah. So have you had to sit on this news for the last few months? You weren't allowed to mention it. Yeah, you sworn to secrecy. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you get kicked out of Tiny Seed or, or taunted on this something. Slack group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, a, a couple of episodes ago, I asked you about the benefits of being in Tiny Seed. Then, in the following episode, we discussed ways bootstrappers can use the podcasting ecosystem to promote their product. And it seems to me that by featuring in Tiny Seed Tales, you've found a way to combine both of these in a new and novel way. So I'm hoping it goes well for you and for Rob. Thanks. I, I hope so too, yeah, for everybody, yeah. On a different topic and what I want to be the theme of today's podcast episode, let's talk about speaking in public, specifically as a channel for getting customers. Now, this is a relevant topic today because, as I mentioned earlier, Craig spoke at MicroConf in Dubrovnik earlier this week. How'd that go for you? I thought it went well. Yeah, I thought it went well. You never know until you talk to a handful or a couple dozen people about it. But yeah, I thought it was good. What was the topic? The topic was like uh, data-driven growth. So kind of how your SaaS metrics should identify the place in your business you should focus on. And then some kind of marketing approaches around that. Okay. I guess I wasn't at MicroConf, as you know. So I guess I'll see the, the video version of it when it gets released in the future. Listeners, there's a book I mention often called Traction by Gabriel Weinberg. He's the founder of DuckDuckGo, and it explores 19 different channels that startups can use to get traction for their product. If you haven't read this book, I recommend you do. Craig, have you read it? I have, yeah. Especially if you're trying to get those first 10 or so customers for your products, I think this is an excellent book for someone to read. Uh, If you've got no idea how to get started, read this and you'll have a pretty clear idea of what to do next. One of the 19 channels from Traction is speaking engagements. This includes speaking at meetups, local events, or larger conferences. Now, I haven't used this channel yet, mostly because the idea of public speaking fills me with unspeakable terror. (laughs) It's the stuff of my nightmares. I'm going to tell you a little story about the last time I spoke in public. It was 2003 at a wedding. I was the best man, and I was required to make a toast. And towards the, uh, at the end of the speech I had to make. And as I lifted up my glass of champagne to make the toast, my hand was shaking so much with nerves. The champagne was splashing out of this glass either side and it was only half full. Oh no. So that's why I have a little bit of a little bit of antipathy towards public speaking myself. And yet perversely, I still am interested in the possibility of doing this at future events. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of people have fear of public speaking. You know, if you look at like the the fears people have, I think public speaking is right up there 
with things like negotiations and like rejection and stuff like that. <laughs> and I think the reason is it's like, as opposed to podcasting like this, like we could mess this up and the editor would just make us sound really smart <laughs> in post-production. But in public speaking, it's your your voice and your image and your presentation and tone all at one time and all live and all in front of a bunch of people. I think that in front of a bunch of people is the thing that scares most people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nothing yeah. to hide behind at all. Yeah. So you do speak from time to time at events, as we talked about MicroConf Europe, and you spoke a couple of years ago. Can you tell me uh, why you do this? If I assume you also have that little feeling of dread that you just mentioned. So why do it? Yeah, I think there's maybe two, three reasons that I do it. One is we have all benefited from other people sharing their experiences with us as entrepreneurs and online business people. And I certainly have. And, you know, through podcasting is is a big way, but but also through conferences, things like MicroConf and FemtoConf and Rhodium Weekend and things like that are really wonderful ways for us to grow as people. And I certainly have a lot to learn, <laughs> but I've learned more than I think some people who are just getting started. And so I feel like I can share some of like what I've learned with people, particularly around like marketing and maybe a little bit around product now. And so if I can kind of share what I've learned and I'm relatively close to a lot of people in the room at MicroConf in terms of like the point we are in our journey as entrepreneurs, then that's cool. And I'm very happy to be able to, to share what I know to help people, you know, grow faster and less painfully and stuff like that. The other reason is it's challenging and I like challenges. There aren't a lot of, I'll say, challenges for me around like communication you know, I obviously podcast a lot and I'm super comfortable with it. We do a fair amount of live webinars and I'm pretty comfortable with it. But public speaking is something that only comes up a couple of times a year, maybe. And I think almost everybody is a little scared of public speaking. And so that's kind of a like a personal challenge for me, like a, a growth challenge is to say, if I'm uncomfortable with this, I need to do more of it to where I'm not uncomfortable with it. Because as a lot of us kind of grow as entrepreneurs, this is something that we probably will do more of. And so I need to, to get better at it. And then the third is like, it's a good way, like you mentioned with the, the traction book, it's a good way to market your personal brand and your business. And I would put it in that order. Like, I don't think me speaking at MicroConf Europe this year will have moved the needle on Castos directly any, but hopefully folks that were, that were there kind of looked and said, wow, you know, that was a really interesting talk, you know, talking about SaaS metrics and marketing and growth and stuff you know, Craig's not a complete idiot. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> next time I hear him on a podcast, I'll pay a little more attention. Right. Part of that uh, tiny incremental building up of the brand that you can only yeah. do by being present in lots of places, lots of times. Yeah. So the topic was using data, SAS metrics to inform your marketing and growth. And I can see how that's, yeah, that couldn't have moved the needle very much at all for you in terms of getting signups for a podcast hosting and analytics platform you would have been better if that was your aim you would have been better off at a conference specifically for podcasting right yep yeah absolutely absolutely yeah do you know of any that exist have you been tempted to find them and speak at them yeah there's a really big one in the u.s in the summer it's like august or september called podcast movement i went not this year but last year and i will probably go this coming year it's a really big, long, kind of arduous conference. It's like four days with like thousands of people. So it's one of those kind of conferences, not like, you know, a microconf or a femtoconf with like mm -hmm. 100 or 200 people. So it's a whole different thing. But I think 
the thing about conferences like that is they definitely have like the keynote where you're standing up in front of you know, 5,000 people or something. But they also have a ton of like tracks and smaller rooms and breakout sessions where you could be like a part of a panel or give a little, you know, 10 minute lightning talk or something like that. And I think that folks that are just getting into speaking should very much start there, you know, like start Mm -hmm. somewhere that's easy and approachable and not so intimidating and in a place where if you mess up, the whole world isn't going to know or, you know, everyone in your world isn't going to know. Besides, if you try to get a gig where you're speaking in front of thousands of people, the organizers are going to say, no, you have no previous experience. We've not heard of you. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a criteria when you apply to speak somewhere is almost always send us a video that's publicly online, you know, that from, from where you spoke before. And if you don't have that, then it's a hard no right away. So did you have something like that to show for this year for MicroConf? Uh, Yeah. Yep. So I'd spoken at MicroConf before. So, you know, Mike and Rob and Xander kind of knew me from talking in Lisbon two years ago, but then I'd spoken at FemtoConf the year before that. And that was, that's live online. Yep. Okay. So that was the video they watched from FemtoConf. Now tell me what FemtoConf is. FemtoConf is a, uh, I think Femto is like a, a 10 to the minus, like 19th power or something like it's a really <laughs> tiny thing and so benedict and christoph wanted to create a, a very 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 small microconf idea you know kind of concept just for europeans not just for europeans it's in germany it's in darmstadt just south of frankfurt and the idea is it's it's really just kind of like a big get together there's about 50 people 20 30 50 people and so it's a pretty small event and it's about a day and a half long the name i think is brilliant it's yeah. not Micro, it's smaller than that. It's nano, it's pico. No, it's femto or whatever the order is of these uh, prefixes. Yeah, It took me a while to get the name, but now I understand it. So then we still have to go back in the the question about how did you get started? How did you get to speak at femtoconf? If that's what you had to do to speak at microconf. I think that Benedict asked me if I wanted to speak. I definitely didn't kind of proactively say I'd happy to share. Or maybe I did. I I don't remember, to be honest. But I think it's like a lot, like, you know, whether I offered and then they took me up on it or or they asked, I think that they pretty much figured, you know, since I was a podcaster and kind of a relatively public person that, you know, I probably would be up for it and, and probably would do a decent job. And I think that, you know, if folks want to get started with public speaking or speaking at conferences to, you know, kind of let the organizers know, like, hey, I do some of this stuff in podcasting or webinars. I could talk about this, this or this. And here's some material, even if it's not public speaking, even if it's, you know, a podcast or a webinar or a video course or something like that, so that people know what to expect from you and that you you sound intelligent and can deliver a message well. Um, I don't think you need like a one-to-one analogy of, of what you'll be delivering there, but something to give them like a frame of reference. Because it's like a fair risk for a conference organizer to yeah. bring someone in they don't know because you, you could totally flop. And it looks bad to, on them, to yeah. the attendees who are paying money and giving up time. Yeah, yep. yeah. It's interesting that you said they had heard you on the podcast, uh, Rogue, Rogue Startups. It shows again the benefits of doing things in public, like a podcast. You don't need anybody's permission to start a podcast. But by doing that, you had proved to them that you could speak coherently and eloquently on various topics. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it gives you that that book of content to reference anytime you're going to do something else. And it's kind of yeah. like the the stair step thing, you know, like Rob talks mm. about. You start off with something simple, 
and then move up and advance, you know, more advanced, more complicated and maybe higher return things. Um, and so maybe like starting a podcast is the first step. And then something like speaking in public at a small event is next and then a bigger event and then a bigger event. One of the things I like about living in a big international city like Barcelona is there are so many different meetups and events going on here. But that makes a problem for the organizers. They all have to find people willing to stand up and speak or present. Yeah. So I think there's a big opportunity for anybody wanting to get started with this uh, speaking in public is to just go to meetup.com, find something in your local area that sounds interesting to you, go to a couple of the events and then talk to the organizers and say, hey, maybe I could do something. What do you think? Let's work out a topic together. And chances are they'll probably be quite happy. Mm-hmm. And I think that you you hit the nail on the head, Steve, with like you will do them a huge favor by making it easy for them to say yes. So don't go yeah. say, hey, can I talk at your next event? You could say, hey, I've done this and this and this, and I've talked at these events or done these kind of webinars. Here's links to this content. At your conference, I think it might be interesting for me to talk to your audience about X or Y or Z. Do any of those fit? Because then you're giving both like your social proof, you know, and the things mm -hmm. you've done previously. And then instead of saying, hey, what could I talk about at your event, which then puts the burden back on them to decide, you're basically yeah. giving them like really easy options of like it's A or B or C. Nice. These are aligned with, you know, what I think your audience is looking to get. It's a good sales approach in general. You don't yeah. come at it thinking, what can I get out of doing this? But it's what can the organizer of the event get out of it? What can I do to make their life easier or uh, help them out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Hey, how was it actually at MicroConf? Did you speak on the first day or the second day this year? I spoke on the second day this year, just after lunch. So I think it was Peldi from Balsamic that I heard say that until he's spoken, like he can't really enjoy the conference because he's nervous about watching everybody before him and make sure they don't touch on the topic he's intending to touch or tell the same anecdotes. Did you have that kind of feeling of nervousness all through the conference before you spoke? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I was. I mean, I still had a good time and stuff, but you know, like yeah, the night before, you get to bed early, don't go, you know, stay out too late, burning the town down. It's, it's uh, yeah. I mean, the last time I spoke, I was the first speaker, and so the rest of the conference was gravy. Uh, this time, I was you know third to last or something. So it was, yeah, a fair amount of tension the whole time. Well, I think being first up on the first day also has its own stress. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think I'd prefer that to being on the second day. Yeah, yep, yeah, absolutely. And are there any non-obvious benefits from speaking at events such as MicroConf that you weren't expecting but have happened to you? You know, the one thing that it doesn't necessarily apply to me, but I saw a fair amount of it this both this week and the the last time I was speaking at a conference. And just like when you speak at a conference, you hang out with the speakers more so than you would if you're just an attendee. Like at MicroConf, there's a speaker's dinner. The the speakers all go to together to, to kind of catch up and get to know each other before the event starts. There were a fair number of consultants and like agency owners, I think both times. And if I was an agency owner or a consultant in a space, that is absolutely, going back to the traction book, that is absolutely how I would try to grow my business. Because like, if you're an SEO person and you're speaking at a, a marketing or SEO conference, it would be hard to not get some good leads <laughs> from that mm -hmm. event. Like if you get up and you give a really good talk, afterwards, people have a thousand questions for you. And 
going back to like a lot of those people might not be my customers for Castos, but but I got kind of proposed to be like a marketing consultant <laughs> for several people <laughs> right after my talk. And they know that I'm in Tiny Seed with a SaaS app and like my focus is like 100% there. But if you get up and say, hey, this is what I do and this is how I think about it, you're going to get more leads than you can handle afterwards if you're like a consultant or an agency owner. So I think talking about like marketing approaches, that's a that's a huge opportunity for that kind of alignment. And who knows, maybe you wake up in a, a couple of months time and realize that Castos is not for you and you want to go and take advantage of these leads. I think that's very unlikely to happen, but it's good to know that one has options in, in life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I think there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of potential upside to being like a consultant. I think the you're trading dollars for hours, but the dollars are really good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I'd ever go back there, but yeah, the dollars were good, that's for sure. I had to take yeah. a bit of a pay cut when I first got into bootstrapping, but after a while it leveled itself out and the, the quality of life is so much better. For example, mm -hmm. whose permission did you need to go to this conference in, in Dubrovnik? Right, you right. You just had to make yeah. sure it was fine with your family, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then you say today you're in the south of France or you were in the south of France. And again, whose permission did you need for that? Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's it's a pretty special life we all live. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been going to a local meetup in Barcelona. It's called Product Tank, I think. And it's a place where product managers go and they are my target audience for feature upvote. So I like to go there and just, you know, find out the issues important to them. And one day I was talking to the organizer and I said, maybe we could sponsor the next event. We'll pay for the drinks. We'll have a logo on the slides at the beginning. And you can just say, point out that we're here if people want to talk to us after the event. And his response was, uh, you could do that, but why don't you just speak? Yes. We always need speakers. <laughs> and then he had a good point, but that mortal dread that I talked about earlier came through my body. And I've, every time I see him, we have that conversation again, like, when are you going to speak at our event? And uh, maybe I, I just need to do it one day. But yeah, it was amazing how easy that came. He didn't want to see any videos of me having spoken before. He was just happy to have somebody helping out. Yeah. What I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen? You go and you give this talk and and your hands are shaking afterwards and you're spilling the champagne again. <laughs> but no doubt you will have given like really good content and people, you know, I think kind of like podcasting, people get over like a slight imperfection in the the quality of the audio if the content is that good. The same kind of thing. If your presentation is not A plus spot on like a politician, but the content is that good, then people will will appreciate that and kind of get over it, I think. I think also you get better by doing things, right? You don't totally. get better at something yeah. by not doing it. So the first time will be horrible. Yeah. But probably in a small environment like I just described, this uh, meetup in Barcelona, people won't be critical. They'll have sympathy when they see how much I'm suffering. Yeah. And and then the next time I'm a bit more confident and, and so on. Yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> I, I <laughs> bookmarked a few sentences here in Traction. I actually have this book on my desk a lot. It's such a good book. Yeah. Uh, every time I want to think about, you know, should we try mm, LinkedIn adverts or should we try more blogging, I just go and read what this book has to say. Here's the sentences I've highlighted on speaking engagements. So in my Gabriel Weinberg voice, which sounds a lot like my Steve McLeod voice, getting valuable early speaking experience is not difficult. Start by speaking for free at co-working spaces, nonprofits, and smaller conferences or events. 
Use these smaller scale appearances to refine your talks and build your speaking reputation. It continues, to become a speaker, you have to speak once. If you speak and you're good, people in the audience will ask you to speak at other events. That's just how it happens. Kind of describing the stair-stepping approach you described, um, Yeah, Craig. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And those local meetups sound like a perfect opportunity. I mean, you go talk there in an audience and the guy that runs it, you know him and you guys have a relationship. And then, yeah, people hear that and they say, oh, you know, I'm doing this thing in Madrid or I'm doing this thing in Paris in a couple of weeks. You should come talk there. And who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Do you do the same talk multiple times or do you do a completely new talk each time? It's always been a new talk each time. And and that's something I think that I make it harder on myself, but I mean, our, our story changes so quickly. But if you could give the same talk multiple times, it, it certainly would get a lot better each successive time. Yeah, the, the, especially if you're talking to a different audience each time, there's no problem at all, I think, in reusing the same talk. Yeah. 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 Yep. Okay, let's wrap up this episode. We've reached our, our time limit for today. Listeners, if you'd like to discuss more about today's topic, please go to our forum at bootstrapped.fm and join the conversation. Thanks again, Craig. Thanks, Steve. My pleasure. It's fun. Have a nice day. Bye, everybody. That concludes this episode of Bootstrapped. You can discuss this episode and other bootstrapping topics on our forums at discuss.bootstrapped.fm. Until next episode, goodbye.